you'll, you'll notice there's a little bit of building work going on in here, particularly at the stage area at the front. You might be wondering, why is that? We, we've just found, like, when we've done all-age family services and increasingly with the gospel choir and things like that, we were out of space here. Um, and, and you know what, worship, if you've ever been around worship guys, you'll know they just spread. Um, and so we've just created a little bit more space in here. Um, so that's what's going on um, there. And, and a number of people have very kindly said to us, you know, Andy Bethan, where were you last Sunday? And um, so it's kind. Some people missed us, <laughs> but a whole lot didn't. And that's fine because, you know, we heard the team did a fabulous job. And, and from all we've heard, there was a wonderful sense of God's presence in worship. Um, and in ministry, and as, as the Bible was shared last week. So that, that, that's fabulous. We were down at Wokingham Vineyard, which is near Wokingham. And um, it's a church, <laughs> just, thought, just in case you were wondering where it was. Um, so they were, they were planted out from, from this church. We, we went and visited them. Um, part of what Bethan and I do, we give some oversight to um, the pastors of that church. Um, and so we went and spent the morning with their church and then the afternoon with the guys who lead the church. But they, they are they're good people. And, and, they, and their church was a, was a loving family of people that are impacting their community. So we took blessings from here to them and I'm sure they bounced back as well. But Wokingham Vineyard, if you get a moment, pray for them. Um, but that, that's where we were. I'm going to talk about talking this morning. We all communicate, most of us by talking, but I know that some of us find that easier than others. But I am not going to make the mistake of going down the route of gender stereotypes this morning. I'm just going to say that some of us find talking easier than others. Now, there are some things that we, most of us find pretty easy to talk about through to some things that we find really quite difficult to talk about. So I've prepared a graph for us. There we go. Easy through to difficult. The weather. If, if, you're, if you're British like me, or if you've lived for any length of time in the UK, you will probably find it's become easier and easier to talk about the weather, because that's just what we do. So I'm going to place that on the easy end of the spectrum, okay? You might buy a new phone, a new shirt, a new car, a new pair of shoes. Again, I think for most, if not all of us, those are relatively easy things to talk about. So I'm going to put that on the easy end of the spectrum as well. Okay, football. Now, now you see already, <laughs> you see... For those that know me, you'll know that I support the best team in the world, um, uh, Fulham Football Club. But, but I know that then I have conversations with other people that aren't as enlightened as me in the area of football. And, and particularly because of local rivalries, if I speak to someone who supports Chelsea, that conversation gets a little bit more difficult. Or it may be cricket. For those of you, again, if, if you're supporting England, you'll know that the England team, they're pretty good right now. And so you can have a conversation, but then you bump into someone who's Australian. And then the conversation about cricket just takes a different dynamic. So I'm going to put sport in the middle. Brexit. <laughs> LGBTQ issues. I'm going to 
to put that at the difficult end of the spectrum. Because they are normally quite difficult conversations to have unless you are talking to someone who shares the same viewpoint as you. But in general, I, I think they're quite difficult conversations, so I've put it down that end of our graph. What about Jesus? I know many of you here are Christians. You've said yes to following Jesus. How easy, moderate, difficult do you find talking about Jesus? Others of you here this morning may not have yet made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm delighted that you're here this morning. And I hope that one of the things that you hear us talk about is the way that Jesus wants to change our lives and give us a new story to tell. He has new purpose for our lives, something new for us to talk about. But if you are a follower of Jesus, how easy do you find it talking to others who don't share your faith about Jesus? There was a survey in the UK back in 2015. It was called Talking Jesus, and you can find it online. It's a very, very helpful survey. Here's just a couple of things that they found. They found when they surveyed Christians, people who have an active Christian faith, they asked, what was highly influential in you coming to that decision point? And 36% of people said that talking to a Christian, a conversation, was highly influential in that decision. And then they asked people who didn't have a Christian faith. They asked them, do you know somebody who has an active, practicing Christian faith? In other words, do you know a Christian? And 67% of adults said yes. And 55% of 11 to 18-year-olds also said yes. They then asked those people who didn't have Christian faith, they said to them, has that active, practicing Christian person that you know, have they ever spoken to you about Jesus? And this is what the, this is what the survey showed. That 41% of those not yet Christian adults said, no, that person has not shared anything about Jesus with me. And if you look at the youth, the 11 to 18 year olds, 48% of them said the same. Now I found that quite sobering. I mean, the upside is, is that somewhere between 50 and 60 percent had, but many hadn't. And that probably shows us that in that, in that graph of easy, moderate, difficult, we all find ourselves at different places along that. So going back to that graph, where does talking about Jesus go on your graph this morning? And, and, and for you personally, for you personally, because my prayer for, this, this, for us this morning is that wherever we find ourselves on that, that by the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we would be nudged to the left. That there would be something that God does in us that emboldens us. That, that we would, might find it just that bit easier tomorrow to go and have a conversation with a work colleague or a neighbor about our faith. But to do that will require us to take risks. You see, when we talk about something like Jesus with our friends, we can fear things like loss of credibility. We can fear loss of relationship. We can fear ridicule. We can fear that we don't know enough, that we won't have all of the answers. That person will have that question which has stumped us as well. And so we can fear losing our confidence. And we can also fear letting Jesus down. Will I be a good representative of Jesus in that conversation? 
So we're continuing our risk takers series this morning. If you haven't guessed, what we're going to talk about is taking a risk to talk about Jesus. What I'm going to do this morning is look at two examples from the life of the Apostle Paul, and then I'll share a few thoughts, but then I'm going to interview a couple of people, and then we'll pray and just see what Jesus wants to do amongst us this morning. If you have a Bible, could you turn to Acts chapter 17? Acts is the book that follows on from the four Gospels. It tells the story of the early church and what God was doing amongst those communities of people. Um, So I've got a paper copy. You might have a phone or a tablet. And the words will come up on the screen in just a moment. So I'm going to read from verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. While Paul was waiting for them, that's two of his friends, Silas and Timothy, while he was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him, Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The next verses, and I'll let you read this in your own time, Paul presents the gospel. He shares Jesus' story. We're going to pick it up in verse 32. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. That's one response. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. It's another response. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Yet another response. So that's what happened in Athens. Two verses later, first verse of Acts 18, we read this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Question then, is this what happened in Corinth? Well, if you flick over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he summarizes what happened when he visited Corinth. And this is what he writes. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you um, the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Two very different accounts of Paul talking about Jesus. Because you read the New Testament, other than Jesus, Paul is the towering figure. He's the big character. So what was he like? Well, we get a bunch of insight from the verses that we've just read. So the, the verses in Acts, Acts chapter 17 and verse 18. Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, he writes, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It seems to me that there is a key to the amazing life that Paul lived, and it's the same key for us, and I think it's a pretty simple key. Live a life that is all about Jesus. That was profound. And at one level it is, and at another level it's simple. Live a life that is all about Jesus. It seems to me that Paul was someone who lived and breathed Jesus. He was captivated by Jesus. He gave his life wholeheartedly to serving Jesus. He was filled with the presence of Jesus. In fact, if you go to Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he talks about the way that you know, we live our lives as an aroma, as a fragrance. It's like, if you, it's like as Paul walked past, it's like, smells like Jesus. Because that was, the, that was the nature of his life. It was like the presence of Jesus was just the fragrance that accompanied him. It's all about Jesus. Jesus was present wherever he went and wherever we went to if we'd given our yes to Jesus. Paul's identity was in Christ. He served out of Jesus-given authority. It's all about Jesus. And so when Paul opened his mouth, what do we think came out? 95% of the time when a pastor asks a question, the answer is Jesus. What do we think came out of Paul's mouth? Jesus. Jesus. You see, the main message is Jesus. You see, I know that Paul loved the church, but it's not the primary focus of his message. I think if Paul were around now, he would love Alpha. I love the church. I love Alpha. I could talk about them for ages, but I love Jesus more. You see, I love the one who first loved me and gave everything for me. And I love the one who gave up freedom so that I could go free. And I love the one who suffered so that I could be healed. And I love the one who gave his life so that I could gain life. See, I love Jesus. And that's the heart of our message. That is the heart of the story that we have to share. And so if you're here this morning and you've not given your yes to Jesus, you can do so right now. And I mean right now. In your heart right now, you can say something that goes something like this, 
Jesus, I've been going my own way in life, and I want a better story. And I hear that your story is better than my story, and I want to become part of your story. So I'm sorry for the way that I've been living my life. I ask that you would forgive me. I choose right now to turn around and say yes to your story. I say yes to your life. Jesus, I open my heart to you. I give my yes to you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And some of you may have prayed that that right now. And that's a wonderful step to have taken. Why don't you come and share with me after the talk this morning at the end of our service. Talk to the person who came with you, someone else who you think can help you this morning. We give our yes to Jesus. You see, I believe that the most compelling message that we have is Jesus. It's the most important thing that we have to say. So how do we talk about Jesus? How do we go about doing that? Well, I love this little saying. The success of our ministry or our life isn't in doing everything right, but in doing the right thing. That's really important if you're involved in any kind of leadership particularly, but also in life. It's not in doing everything right, it's in doing the right things. I believe as a Christian, one of the right things to be doing is talking about Jesus, is sharing the story that we've become a part of. But I don't think there is just one way to do that. Now, I do think that there are some ways that are better than others. I I think that in a Western postmodern culture, street corner preaching doesn't work particularly well. But there are lots of other ways that we can talk about Jesus, that we can share the story of Jesus. And from the verses that we read this morning, Acts chapter 17 and 1 Corinthians 2, they show Paul talking about Jesus in two very different ways because he found himself in two very different situations. In Athens, it was clearly, they were a smart bunch. They loved debating, a lot of philosophy, and and you see that in Paul's approach, the way that he introduces the conversation. I've observed your culture. I've seen that you're worshipping somebody that you don't know. There's a better way. And he has this discourse with them. And I don't know about you, but there are some very smart people in this world. And we shouldn't be frightened of them, but there's a discourse. (laughs) There's a conversation. He then turns up in Corinth, and Paul's own account is, you know, I I was tripping over my words. I didn't didn't have like a great raft of great sermons to present, but there was a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And so it was a different way of interacting in those two different situations. You see, it seems to me that Paul's approach very much depended upon the situation that he found himself in, and you might find that in your own life. That in some circumstances you find it easier to talk about Jesus than in others. Or there is a different approach with different people in different situations. You might find yourself in a workplace where you can't talk about Jesus. I, I was watching a video earlier in the week. It was by a guy called Mark Marks. He's at Causeway Coasting. Some of you would have heard him. He, he recounts a conversation when a, a Christian doctor said to him, Mark, I really want to pray for my patients because I believe that I have God-given authority. I want them to be well, but I can't pray for them. I'll get sacked. And so Mark said to the guy, what is one thing that you do with all of your patients? And he said, well, I, I take their pulse. And he said, okay, that's the trigger point. When you take their pulse, pray in your heart. 
with the authority that you have and release kingdom healing into their body. Because that is one of the things that you can do. I believe it doesn't matter whatever situation we can be in, there can be triggers that remind us to release kingdom authority into the situation that we find ourselves in. That was a tangent. You can have that for free. Paul's approach depended upon the situation. And the other thing that I see in Paul is he expected there to be opportunities. Whatever environment he walked in, he expected that there would be opportunities. And I believe that's a key for us as well. Expect opportunities and take risks. Expect it. Whatever situation, I believe that Jesus can use every one of us to bring life and hope and good news into our world. And so you'll often hear us talk around here about us living as scattered servants. Everyone, every day, everywhere. Something we can all be a part of every day of our lives in every environment that we walk into. Some of you may have come across a guy called David Parker. He is a pastor in the vineyard in the U.S. Back in, I think it was probably the late 80s, early 90s, he spent a couple of years in the U.K. helping and giving encouragement to the vineyards that was being planted. And, he, and I know he, he visited Riverside at least once or twice. I met him a few times. Really good guy. I've heard him recount this story. After he spent time in the UK, he went back to the US to pastor, take on the leadership of a Desert Vineyard, which I think is in California, somewhere like that. And it's a great church, strong church, but he, he knew that he wanted the church to be more outward focused, to be more missional. And so he talks about praying about that and saying to God, God, do you want us to, to just to, to kind of like really lean into power evangelism? You know, kind of a healing the sick and, you know, the kind of the power encounters. Is that, the, is that, is that what you have for us? Or, or Jesus, is it prophetic evangelism, sort of, you know, words of knowledge as a way to open up people's hearts to the gospel? Or says, is it servant evangelism, you know, the acts of kindness that would soften people's hearts to the gospel? He said, Jesus, what is it? And he said, he felt Jesus say one thing to him. Just do something. Just do it. Just, just do something. Just do something. You see, why is this so important? It seems to me that that, that that person who wants that kind of philosophical conversation, we might just have the honor and privilege of helping them find Jesus for themselves. And the person who who experiences the power encounter with Jesus again, we might just be the person that helps them write a new story in their lives. You see, one of my great hopes is this, that when I get promoted to glory, there'll be people there, and I will know I was in some small part, part of their story. And I believe that can be true for every one of us, that there can be people that we are involved with, that we're connected with, that we bump into, and in some way we can be a part of them writing a new story, or at least more correctly, Jesus writing a new story in their lives. We can be a part of that. I don't believe, I don't think there's much greater honor this side of glory than that, of being a part of seeing people come alive. Steve, would you come and join, join me? This is Steve, some of you, can you welcome Steve? He's very shy.
eager. Steve, welcome. So, Steve, uh, a bunch of you know I'm Steve, married to Lucy. Um, we, we, I think, have known each other. No, uh, yeah, we should say. You might be nervous that in a couple of minutes' time we're going to be getting out folk guitars and singing. As the, as the, we're not, Steve might, but I'm not. Um, we've known each other 25 years, around about that long time. Now, in 2005, you and Lucy were kind of sent out of here, planted out of here, down to the New Forest. T- tell us something about that, that, that season for you guys. Highlights, lowlights. Yeah, just to back up, three years before that, we had some of the best training in Glasgow under Rick and Lou, so shout out to them. So we had the best training. We were released in 2005, and we planted um, down on the south coast with a full expectation um, that we would thrive. You know, all the, the hopes and expectations of doing very well. One of the lowlights is two and a half years into that, we uh, closed the plant, didn't work out, we weren't thriving, we were depressed, ill, for many reasons, it just didn't happen. A couple of the highlights where we saw a few people come to faith, we seemed to have more of a a leaning towards getting out on the street and meeting people, Um, so that's kind of where we were. And then from there, you moved to Basingstoke? Yeah, so one of the things, one of the big risks we took when we plant, for every planter that plants, is that, you know, we just lifted the whole family and kind of moved, you know, 70 miles down on the coast. Uh, Our coaches at that time encouraged us to try again in a bigger town. So stupidly, I don't know, we, we agreed to that. And so we moved again, the family, the whole family, to a town called Basingstoke to try again and start this a church plant. Anyway, so five years into that, low lights, you know, Lucy was very sick. We weren't thriving. It just didn't work. It, again, you know, failure number two. We just couldn't, we couldn't seem to get a church going on somehow. So that's where we were. Uh, some of the highlights were we still had this thing where we got out onto the streets. Uh, we quite enjoyed connecting with other churches in our town. So that happened on a regular basis. Um, yeah, so when we closed for the second time, we were, all we closed with it's, it was a sense that we still, we, we still felt that God had a work to do in our town. That's all we had. Uh, so we spent probably two more years just having, not knowing what to do at all. The only thing that we did do was continue to connect outside with other churches in our town on the streets, in pubs, and stuff like that. Thank you. Now, I, I haven't found a good way to phrase this question. <laughs> so a few years ago, Steve told me that he was going down to car park and hanging out at car park. It sounds better than it was at least. It, <laughs> is, it is better. There is an upside. So, yeah, so there was a growing thing inside of us, Lucy and I, to want to continue to get out. We were doing the monthly thing with the hot, but there was something in me that wanted to kind of get out and connect with people just on my own, just to try and take some more risks, try and uh, connect with people. So what I would do, one Sunday evening, about, it was two, two or three years ago, I had a bag of coins, 10 one-pound coins, and I said to Lucy, it was a Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, I said, I'm going to a ticket machine, a parking machine in our town, and I'm going to pay for people to park. So I went, off I went, 
at six o'clock and I was at the ticket machine waiting for all the people to turn up. 20 minutes into that first hour, not a single person came to the machine. So I text Lucy and said, I'm coming home. This is a, another failure. This is not working. I don't, I don't like this. Lucy, who was the wise one, you know, she's texted me back and said, move to another ticket machine. <laughs> the wisdom, the practical wisdom of, of, of Lucy. So I went to another machine, and in the next 40 minutes, you know, I used all the £10 coins, and the conversation went something like this, that people would come to the ticket machine, and I would say to them, um, oh, your, par your parking ticket is already paid for, and I'd give them a ticket. So their response would be, okay, this is weirding me out, thank you, bye. <laughs> that was one of the responses. The other was, uh, what's the catch? You know, what, what, what are you doing this for? And it gave me at that point a very simple, doing a random act of kindness gave me the starting place to say, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm out here on the streets doing a random act of kindness. I believe that God is love and he's good. You know, so, so I started off doing that, explaining that God is love. And as a Christian, I wanted to express, express something of his love. And, you know, for those enough, silly enough to still be there hovering and talking to me, I then took more opportunities as time went on to actually tell them about the most amazing thing that God had ever done. So sharing the gospel in that context. And that just grew and grew and grew. Yeah, that's wonderful. Cause, and what, what's, been, what's been going on on you? Because that was like a, a, there was stuff kind of like starting kicking off at that point, wasn't there? But then things have just sort of grown. What, 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 what are you seeing happen now? So, um, yeah, so that was three years ago. And so as I've got out on the streets more and more and connected with other churches doing hearts, I've slowly now seen a trickle feed of young people beginning to give their life to Christ. Um, and that's grown and grown and grown. And it got to a place last year where the other church leaders who come and join us doing outreach have said, we've never seen this before. It's like God is putting a magnifying glass, not on healing and praying and all that, but on actually on young people coming to faith. And I have emails that I send to Andy all the time, so I'm not making that up. This is other people's testimony in our town that we are seeing many young people between 12 and 20 come to faith. And that's been grown and grown. So, and that's a great thing. We are, it's exciting. Yeah. And Steve, through all of that, and, and Steve, thank you. I mean, Steve's been very honest and vulnerable with us this morning. Steve, what have, what have you learned? What, what, what kind of stands out for you? that we've 
things that I that are, that I that I love and admire in both Steve and Lucy is they they haven't quitted. They just, they just haven't quitted. You see, the, the longer that I'm around, you know, just being a pastor, I, I become far less impressed by gifting and far more impressed by people who show up. Far more impressed. So every time you you turn up. <laughs> We're just going to blame hay fever, aren't we, Steve? <laughs> See, every every time every time we show up, you show up, you know, to serve on a team or something like that. You're a hero in my book. Now, if if, if we if what if what if what we do goes great, that that's a bonus. But what Jesus is looking for is people that will show up. That that's the primary thing. You know, at the end of our days, you know, that we didn't quit, but that we we just kept going. And you see, what, what, what I see in Steve and Lucy now are people that have just not quitted and are now seeing fruitfulness come in accelerating ways. Because they didn't quit. They, they just kept pressing in because Jesus has caught their heart. And, and he's caught their heart for their town and for people that don't know Jesus yet. And so they've not quit. They've just not quit. So I hope, I hope that just... You know, that, that, that touches all of us. You know, wherever we find ourselves in, in terms of our, our sharing our lives with other people, that, that doesn't matter. But I hope one of the things you hear, you hear is 100% of the battle is just showing up. And don't quit. Just keep going. Keep going. Now, you'll, you'll know if you've been around our church recently that um, Steve has helped sort of activate and catalyze some things in different areas. One of the one of the giftings that I see on Steve is being catalytic, of, of setting some things in motion. And so, um, Steve has been doing outreach in Basingstoke for the last few years, um, but we've we've seen that now start in Felton and Hounslow and Staines. Once a month, teams going out there, and and the hope is to start up in Slough. Someone may be doing Slough in the autumn. Um, but I wanted to invite Marianne. Marianne, are you here? Come, would you come and, and Raj and Jacinda? So these guys have been involved in what we're sort of pioneering in these different communities. Sorry, we've run out of bathrooms. So, so come, come and join us up here, Marianne. So Marianne, tell us, tell us something about what you're learning just very briefly, the learning and, and the risks that you're taking. Why, why do you go out on the high street like you did, I think it was yesterday afternoon? Why? Um, I've been so, um, like Lucy said, um, I, I had just this heart of um, just doing random kind of um, kindness <laughs> to people. But then something inside me was burning, like, I have to share Jesus, but I just didn't know how. And then when um, Steve and Andy approached me, like, oh, would you like to do some mission? Yes. <laughs> That's when I've, I realized, um, I've learned how easy actually, and how also challenging it was to actually share about Jesus. And all it really takes is that one step. One step to just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do this. I don't know how. But I know you will speak to me. Awesome, Marianne. Thank you. Thank you. Right. 
what are you learning? What are you seeing? What, what risks are you taking? Why do you do it? Um, I think one of the risks that we face is actually just confronting people, you know, on the streets. It's definitely out of, it's definitely been out of my comfort zone. Um, going forward and stopping people on the streets and actually just unpacking their day, you know, um, that's one of those things that for me was probably the biggest challenge and risk. And we're stopping them about something that people don't always talk about, Jesus. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, you've got something, or, you know, you know where this is. It's another thing to just stop them and say, you know, it's time to get back to having a conversation about Jesus. So that's probably been one of my biggest hurdles and challenges that I've had to really push through by God's grace. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Um, more similar to Steve. Um, well, you know, I used to actually go out and game up for the game on Saturday and Monday night. And uh, they were discussing for night driving that we should start playing the game and uh, read the Bible on the train in the morning. And as soon as I turned the Bible off, a message came through from Steve to say, we're going out this weekend, do you want to join us? And, uh, yeah, I just, I always thought that was my calling anyway, but just lost confidence because nothing was really happening. And, uh, yeah, it's just been amazing since then. It's been incredible to see God's been um, healing. We've seen uh, Muslims give their life to Christ. We've seen Sikhs, Hindus. Um, we've seen people receive the Holy Spirit with amazing reactions. And, uh, yeah, it's just, um, we just want to be available for the Lord's work and uh, let him just do things. Guys, just, just stay here for a, for, for a moment because I'd love you to pray. Uh, the, the reason I wanted you to hear from me is that there is something accelerating and not being violent right now um, as risks are being taken. And so some of those are, are gathered church environments. There's stuff just kicking off with the children, isn't there? Which is, and, I, and I, was it Pentecost Sunday? I, I got a gate crash to saw. And, you know, they were just inviting these children, these are four to 11 year old children, to receive the Holy Spirit. And there was just, you know, you just, they were just standing in the room just being empowered by God. It was a beautiful time. And, and so many stories of them giving their lives to Jesus. And, and then in kind of like scattered environments out on streets and workplaces, you know, people taking risks. So there was something accelerating. And, and, and my encouragement to all of us is keep saying yes and keep praying for more. Keep saying yes and keep praying for more. Let me, let me close with this. Can we just flick that graph back up again? Wonderful. So, where do you where do you find yourself this morning? You know, if I said to you, how easy or difficult do you find it talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus to somebody else? And and the right answer is the honest answer. But where do you find yourself this morning? And so, it might be that you then find yourself in the office tomorrow, and someone says to you, "What did you do at the weekend?" Now, you can either say, I went shopping, and you might have done, and that's fine. But do we take the risk of saying, well, what we did like between 11 and 1? Um, or you go home this afternoon, and your neighbor's been cutting their hedge and cutting their grass, and they, they say to you over the phone, oh, my back really hurts. It's, it's those kind of risks. You know, what, are, what, are we going, what are we going to do? Will we talk about Jesus in some way? What that, in, that, in that different situation, what, what will we do? Now, there's an account, and I'll close with this. You'll find it in Acts chapter 4. The early church, which is after Pentecost, 
that they're, they're, they're continuing to press into mission and to what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst them. And they pray this prayer. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats. So they knew, they knew this wasn't easy. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That is a great prayer. If you want to summarize that prayer, it's simply this, help. That, that's what I'm saying. We, we, we see, and did you notice that's where Paul started in Athens? He said, you know, I've, I've seen the idols. In other words, I've looked out into the culture. I've looked out into the communities, and I see the brokenness. And, and, the, and the cry of our hearts is, help. God, would you help us to bring life to this place? Then this happens. After they pray, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. In other words, they, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they shifted. There was a shift from not feeling very bold to being more emboldened than they were. But they, they, they took a shift, and that is my prayer for us this morning. So, if you're able, could I invite you to stand? I would love to see, could you kick us off and, 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 and pray over us, pray for us? One of the things, uh, when Jesus was pressed with questions, one of the things he said to his very early disciples was, just come and see. And so, you know, I'm being naughty here, but I want to encourage everyone to just, uh, you know, come and see what's uh, happening on the streets, whether it's Felton, Hounslow, uh, Staines, or Slough. So that's my advert. Come and see. You know, it would be wonderful. So, Father, thank you that you are... You know, it's your love that drives us, compels us. It's your love that initiates your great son, your, your only son, coming and then bringing that gift of life, eternal life, salvation to us, to humanity. We thank you for that life of yours this morning. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, take those steps. Help us, Lord, all of us, take steps towards sharing something that's just amazing, good news, incredible life. Lord, we pray for creative ideas, creative steps to reach our friends, our neighbors, our work colleagues, those who we know, whether we're buying them a coffee or whether we're just... Uh, there's some people here that just God is going to really excel in acts of kindness. Lord, would you do that for us this morning? Would you deposit just like a, a spark in our hearts of like the touch paper of random acts of kindness in our hearts? Fill us with ideas where we can reach others, Lord, with your love, with your kindness. Fill us now, God. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Empower us. Deposit in us, Lord, that, that your spirit, your life. And we pray for more. We, we want more of what you're doing, God. And we say yes. We absolutely say yes to where you're leading us, where you're taking us. Shake our lives.
only ways where we convince ourselves that we can't do it. Holy Spirit, I want to pray that you would shake us free this morning. Shake us free. With where a narrative is playing in our head, shake us free. where circumstances have caused us to draw back, I pray that you would shake us free to move forward. In any ways we've been tempted to quit, shake us free to just keep going. To keep turning up to keep trusting that, Jesus, you can use our lives. That our very presence brings your presence into the environments we step into. The aroma of Christ. The hope of glory that fills our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would shake creativity in our life. Creative ways we can connect with our neighbours, with our work colleagues, with our friends. Shake free creativity in our community. Shake it free in our heads and hearts. You know, I, I, I would Imagine there are many of us here who have had that idea and it has been a seed in our life for a long time. And my prayer for myself, and you can include yourself in that prayer as well, is Lord, would you shake that idea into something real? Would you shake it today, Lord? That I might leave here today determined to do something, to just do something. things that Jesus said as he looked out and said the harvests are ripe. So pray for harvesters. Pray for workers. And Jesus, we hear that call this morning and we give our yes to you. We see a world that is in need of life. And we say yes, we'll go and work that field. 